0: i um I really like history and um on uh, Friday, Rebecca and I got the chance to we've been trying to as things have sort of opened up again we've tried to get back into the habit of of going out and exploring at least one day a week, just finding out a little bit more and so we got to go just a little bit north of here to lock what well, First she said Walnut Grove, and I thought she said Walnut Creek. I'm like, I'm like oh, Walnut Creek. I know and, and then she said, no, Walnut Grove and Lock, And I had no idea where that was. Um, and I didn't realize it was just a little ways north up in the Delta. And what was cool about that place was uh, learning the history of the last example of rural Chinese-American um, town a rural Chinese-American town left in the whole United States. And a lot of the history of uh, the Chinese immigrants that not only helped build the Transcontinental Railroad, but also built a lot of the levee system that we uh, love and rely on. Anyone that likes to go out and do any kind of uh, fishing in the sloughs and, and uh, go up and down the Sacramento River and other, other waterways, uh, you can thank a lot of the, the immigrant um, labor that built a lot of that. But well, one of the also things that I didn't realize was there, was there was a lot of Chinese-American input into agriculture in this area. And there's a picture, and I wasn't able to get a picture to put on our screen, but it was, um, it was a guy who worked as a farm laborer for like over 40 years. And it was a picture of him on the wall in one of the museums in this little town with all of his implements. And for 40 years, he basically carried a knapsack with his bedding, and then a few basic implements that he used, um, and then there, right next to it, he wrote in in a Chinese script. He basically kept track of the money that was that he was paid and then sent back to some of his family that had remained in China. And I was thinking about the hard, um, his story and his hands and all of the work that they did for over forty years, and I really appreciated reading more about all of the hard work that went into people that basically now California helps feed the world, not just our nation, but crops that go out all over the world. And I came across a quote this, this week, and it says this, farming is a profession of hope. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's now confirmed by Ray. It is a profession of hope. And you know that it takes a lot of hard work and you can't expect um, even a decent harvest without putting in the hard work to carry, carefully cultivate the plants so that they grow and flourish. And there's a lot of best practices, but there's also things that you just need to you do. And if you are someone who doesn't like to work, don't go into farming. It's not going to work out very well for you. It takes hard work. But even if you work your hardest, sometimes there are still things that are out of your control. Sometimes we say, um, who is the one that grants the, grants the rains? God. You can do everything right, and if the rains don't come, nothing happens. God is still in the midst of this whole process. And as we've been working through um, the beginning part of the story of Ruth, we've been going kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we see this kind of play out in the unfolding story. And there's three main players. We have Ruth, we have her mother-in-law, Naomi, and now we have this guy that was introduced in the story last week, Boaz, who is one of their far distant family relatives who is, uh, shows up in Chapter 2. One of the things that we're going to find as we continue in Chapter 2, and it's a story of farming... But it's actually far more than a story of farming. It's actually a story of relationships. And in the actions and attitudes that we see today and also that we're going to explore more next week, we'll see this in in Ruth and in Boaz a lot, that the attitudes that they have in their heart, that God has actually been growing and cultivating within them, come through in their actions. And in the process, because of who they are inside, it actually helps them build relationships that will stand the test of time, that will become stronger. When we invest in relationships, whether it's our relationship with God first and with the people around us, the people that are closest to us, the people that we love, and the people that we like, it is both hope that is involved and hard work. It's the hope that God is first and foremost involved in the midst, that he does want to see us grow and flourish, and that includes in our relationships. But it also requires hard work. Anyone that has engaged in any kind of long-term relationship, whether that's a spouse or the relationship that you have with children or grandchildren or other family members or close friends, it requires hard work to build a strong relationship. Relationship that will last, one that will see through the tests and challenges that will come. Last Sunday, we looked at faithfulness as one of those keys faithfulness to God as the actual key marker which helps open up the blessing of God. It actually allows us, the more we are faithful to God, to develop faithfulness to those around us in our own relationships. Without that first piece, it's almost impossible. I would say it, it probably is impossible to be faithful to the people around us. So I want to read the, the rest of chapter 2 this morning. Uh, we read the first half last week. I'll read the second half this week, verses 13 through 23. Let me read the story for us. And by the way, remember, Boaz and Ruth have had their first encounter. And Boaz has taken some surprising actions And Ruth is a little bit overwhelmed at how he is responding so positively. Verse 13. Ruth replies, I hope I continue to please you, sir. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her. Now this was totally unusual. This would not have happened normally. And then pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Hmm. This guy's uh, clearly a little interested. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. My Bible has a little note at the bottom. It says it was about an, an ephah, which is 20 quarts of grain. That's the equivalent of like half a month's wages. So that was all in one day, quite a bit. Uh, Ephah or Ephah, something like that. Your Bible might even have that word in there. Yeah, it's like a unit of measurement. And it says she carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, The man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. Remember, Ruth's husband had had, uh, died in Moab. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. I read that verse and I was thinking about that guy whose picture I saw on Friday. Just hard at work, using his hands to harvest what had been planted. Verse 22, Good, Naomi exclaimed, Do as he said, my daughter, stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. There's a lot of different relationship things that are happening in this chapter. So there's, we don't have time to highlight everything, but I want to highlight just a couple of practices that we see reflected in this story today. And all of these things, these three things that we'll mention today, are all because of what God has already been doing in their hearts. We know that God is in the midst. We know that God is working out his will. If for no other reason than the line of Jesus will come through this couple, even though they have no idea at this point. That's one of the cool things that we have as readers. We get to know the whole story and the extended story. And it's like we're getting a window into what is going to happen for them. On the back of your bulletin, I just briefly listed three things. I tried to make them so they're a little bit easier to remember. The first thing we see is you attract how you act. Another way to phrase that, or uh, if you want the sort of attitude that goes behind that, I put that in parentheses. Character seeks character we might want to put a little asterisk biblical character seeks character because you can insert a whole lot of things about there are other kinds of character sometimes characters seek other characters but in this case we're we're really trying to highlight how biblical character founded on what god is doing in their hearts actually helps to seek out other people of character you reap what you sow there's all these sorts of phrases like that I landed on this particular phrase because of um, a book. In 1903, James Allen wrote a classic book called As a Man Thinketh. It's kind of a really old book. It, it, it uses a lot of older language. And he wrote this book um, because of a Bible verse that he read. And in his book, he wrote, We do not attract what we want, but what we are. We do not attract what we want, but what we are. And he wrote this after reading Proverbs and meditating on Proverbs 23. In the King James uh, Version, it says, This verse says, For as he thinketh, for as a person thinketh in his heart, so is he. We often connect to people because of what is cultivated inside of us. Our character seeks or Sees similar or even complementary characteristics in other people. The wise 1990s sage of wisdom, Paula Abdul, had a different take in her song Opposites Attract. And while that can be true, it doesn't always work out in quite that way. There has to be some sort of meshing or when we're forming relationships with people, there's something that helps us click with other people, some sort of common ground or connected bonds that we have with other people. For people of faith, this often comes through what we have growing in our heart. Now, Ruth, up to this point, has... We don't know a whole lot about what's going on in her. We do know that if she followed the path of her mother-in-law, who at this point, all we know of, of Naomi before the end of, cha- of the chapter is that she has become bitter because of all of the, heart, the heartache and the hardship that she has experienced. And Ruth could have gone down that same path, but for some reason she hasn't up to this point. Instead, we get to see her heart, the character that God is cultivating in her through his ongoing presence in her life. If, As you think through Ruth so far, what are some of the character traits that you would identify in her up to this point? There's a whole host of things that we could list. Faithful. Hardworking. Grateful. Humble. Kindness, teachable, Teachable. (laughs) working out in the fields, dirty and dusty. That's when Boaz notices her. He's like, man, your dusty face really, uh, really attracts me right now, apparently. You can see all of these, this is just in in chapter 2, but even in chapter 1. There's all these different things about her. She really is, um, it's really amazing to see, you know, God has taken some of who she is naturally. And she's also taken these steps of saying, your God will be my God. I will go where you go. She goes into a foreign land. She agrees to follow the Lord and learns to trust him. And we see all of this kind of come about through all of that. We see the way that she treats people, including her mother in law. She has far more patience than I think I would have in certain situations. And all of this helps us kind of really understand the depth of her heart. And it's all possible because God is in the midst working out his divine will and purpose in and through her life. We'd probably say today that she is a, she's a good example in the Bible that just demonstrates kind of a pure goodness in her. She's probably a lot more complex than what we read or are able to see in just these few words. And the God that Ruth has come to trust leads her into the path of a man with similar qualities. Similar faith and character. Boaz, a godly man, he says he's wealthy and influential. We learned last week, just in how he interacted with people, that he's a man of faith, who actually can see beyond what he has received and see the needs of those around him. He has similar qualities of trust and concern for others and goodness. All of this to say that in both Ruth and Boaz, God is working and acting primarily through people. See, sometimes we expect God to do this grand, amazing thing. But the reality in our world is that he can do that, but he often chooses to do it through little old us. Through how we are and who we are in the world. You attract how you act or what your character is. So if we desire more, fill in the blank, love, respect, trust, honesty, you name it. If we desire more of that in and from our relationships, then the question for us, and I listed it on the back, is how am I doing at showing godly character in my life? Again, these are questions that you don't have to answer right now. These are good reflecting questions for now and in the week to come. How am I doing at showing godly character in my life? Each of the three questions that are on the back of your bulletin today are the types of questions that it might actually require you to involve God in this, to ask God for help To guide your heart to display the kind of deep character that you want to show and that you hope to receive from the relationships around you. So that's the first one. You attract how you act. Or I like character seeks character. The second thing we see in this chapter is a good practice for all of us. Highlight strengths, not weaknesses. It doesn't deny that everyone has weaknesses. We all have it. But what we see here is taking the tactic of highlighting strength. That's a good, it's just a good life principle anyways, to highlight the strengths of those around us instead of the weaknesses. We see it in the interaction between Boaz and Ruth. In verse 10, it says that Ruth is a foreigner. She's actually surprised that Boaz acts this way towards her, shows her this kind of kindness. She's well aware that she does not fit in, and that for most of the Israelites that she would interact with, they would look down on her with great disdain because of who she was. They didn't yet know or have a chance to know her heart. To be a foreigner at this time in Israel is a source of weakness and hardship. Yet Boaz, a man of standing, it says, doesn't seem to let that bother him at all. He actually does the exact opposite of what most people would have done. He compliments her character instead of criticizing her circumstances. When he first sees her, even if he's attracted to her, she is a poor widow, a foreigner, and she's dusty and dirty from working hard. So she might have been attracted, but she probably certainly didn't look it at that particular moment. And he sees past it all. Somehow... God has given him the ability to actually see who she really is deep down. And he sees it because of who she is and how she is acting. The characteristics that she is displaying. How does Boaz do some of this towards her? He shows her simple courtesy. He does this not out of obligation, but out of who he knows she is. And he comes to realize, oh, she's actually a long-lost member of my extended family. So even though he may have grown up culturally attuned to not like Moabites, God is now doing a new thing in his midst. And he says, okay, I will extend kindness to her. He acts in kind ways. He's thoughtful, and he desires to make her life easier and not Harder. He actually goes above and beyond what God has instituted in his law. We talked about this before, the whole idea of gleaning, that the very corners of fields were left unharvested so that the poor, the widows, and, and others could actually come to the corners of fields and gather grain so that they could survive. He goes way above and beyond in this case. He tells his people, drop some grain behind you so that it's even easier for her to pick it up. Often it is the smallest things that are actually the biggest things in revealing someone's character. This shows up between Boaz and Ruth. I think what what I would call is what they have is mutual respect for one another. It's probably the single most important quality behind their faith in God. This mutual respect that they have, because that's the foundation for this relationship that God is building between them. Respect builds relational bonds. Respect is that biblical attitude or trait that actually allows all of the other seeds in your relationships to grow. These seeds of love and trust and honesty. It, respect is what gives them room to grow and flourish and strengthen the bonds in all the relationships that you're working on. So the question for this Practice is the second one that's at the bottom. How can I focus on the strengths of others? If you desire to build stronger relationships in your life or to work on existing ones, how are you doing at highlighting the strengths of others? Am I being complimentary or am I being more critical in my relationships? Looking for the good. It doesn't mean we deny weaknesses and the dysfunction that exists. That also exists. But if we really want to go forward, how are we doing at highlighting people's strengths? And again, just like the first one, we can ask the Lord for help to develop this in us. Some people have a much more critical nature. And if that's the case, okay, ask the Lord to help you. Help me to not be so critical in this fill-in-the-blank, in this way. Highlight strengths, not weaknesses. And there's one final attitude that I want to bring up this morning. This is, this is a practice that actually shows up in the very end of chapter 2. Consistent love encourages growth. Love patiently brings out the best, or you could also say patient love brings out the best. Now, there are some caveats to this. This doesn't always happen. We do live in a fallen world, and even just like the farmer, even if you're doing everything right, we said last week that you can't control the things that are beyond how far you can reach with your hands. You can be doing everything right, and still things might not work out. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. But for those relationships that we do want to continue to cultivate and build them in a stronger way, consistent love encourages growth. How Ruth is actually begins to transform the pain of her mother-in-law. If we look at the end of chapter 2, we see that you you know this that pain doesn't go away quickly or automatically. It takes time. And it doesn't even that it goes away, it's that it somehow has the opportunity to be transformed. We actually see this between Ruth and her mother-in-law. Ruth brings back all of this food that she's been blessed with, and her mother-in-law responds in amazement. She asks where. She asks how. And then she says, and this is the person who said, the Lord has taken away everything from me and left me empty. And now she says, may the Lord bless the one who helped you. So even this woman who had known much hardship is suddenly able to see the blessing of God and then to extend the blessing outward. What did God call his people to in the very beginning of Genesis? You are blessed to... Be a blessing. And we see that play out here. Ruth, I don't know how many years have gone by by now or how much time has passed, but Ruth has been able to show consistent love towards her mother in law through all of the negativity and bitterness that she experienced. She kept on loving her. Her loving patience works to bring out the best and makes an impact. And so again, I asked that same kind of question to us today. How am I doing to show love in a consistent way? If we want relationships that are built to last, it can't just be a one-time deal. It can't be on that first day of a wedding that the one person says, I love you and I'll let you know if anything changes. That's not how it works. How do we show consistent love, and how am I doing? Again, this is another question for your own reflection. Am I bringing out the best in others? Like each of those other two questions, we can ask the Lord for his help in this. This is hard work, my friends. But Ruth, as I said a couple weeks ago, is one of my favorite stories in the whole of the Old Testament. It's such a fantastic story. It's a practical model. It shows us God's work in the world and also how we can cultivate the kinds of attitudes and practices that we want to see in the relationships that we are forming. Godly character, mutual respect, consistent love. That is a high bar, my friends, but it's definitely a bar worth aiming for. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into this next week as we move into chapter 3. But I want to end by just saying this. Relationships and not just farming are indeed a profession of hope and hard work. Keep hoping. Keep working hard. Build relationships to last. May God give you hope as he works out his will in your life and may the hope of that reality encourage you to work hard. Let's pray, friends. God, I thank you for the way that you are at work. I thank you for the example that you have uh, revealed in this story of Ruth and Boaz, how you are working in their hearts. And we actually see this relationship being formed before our eyes as we read through this book. God, I pray that you would be at work, both in our relationship with you, that you would be strengthening the bonds of our trust and faith in you, and that that would then spill out to those key relationships in our lives here on earth. Will you reveal to each person here today what might we be doing to exhibit more godly character in our life? God, I pray that as we each take those steps, that you would bless those steps. That as we are faithful, that we might receive from you. God, strengthen us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.